Hi and welcome. I'm Barb. And I'm Rafaela. And we are Recovery, Recovery 201. 201. Hi. Hi, long time no see. I know, it's been like 12 hours. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> she can't get enough of me. Oh, we're having a good time today. I'm excited to uh, spend some time with you today and talk to. Um, no kids. No kids. Zero children. Everyone's in Thank school. Thank God for school. Thank you, Lord, for a great first week of school. Everyone got up and went. and It was great. Yes. It was Patrick's first full week. Yesterday he goes... Pre-K. Pre-K. Because he just used to go three times a week. And last, yesterday we woke up and he's like, can I just sleep in? Because normally on Thursdays he would sleep in. And I'm like, nope, got to go. So it was good. But he likes it. He loves it. it. Oh, yeah, he And loves you wrote it. him notes. Yes, I wrote him notes. Did he now. like his notes? Yes. Because he told me, why don't you write me notes, mommy? All my friends get notes. Aww. Because I figured I would write when he knew how to read them. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, I guess the teachers read them. So, I was feeling like a bad mom. I was like, oh, but you can't even, like, read. But teacher read so I got these ones that has like all this color and whatever things on it. Of course, one on Amazon. Of course. Of course. Of course. Of course. Amazon is life. Get a little, get in trouble on Amazon with Ryan. All the time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's like, you should see the account. It just says Amazon, 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 (laughs) Amazon, Amazon. Mine's like that too. Yeah. He's not not revived this time. Right. He's not even allowed on my Amazon account. Oh, he has his own. He doesn't have any. Oh. (laughs) Even better. (laughs) Oh, poor Ryan, I swear. I swear. Ryan, I just want you to know that I love you. So I told him. You're not even my husband. I told him, I was like, I want a new coffee machine for Christmas and I do not want to cure it. And he sends me. Maybe I should give you one for my birthday. <laughs> he's learning. I, he's learning. He's been, it's been years and years of training, intensive training, and he's finally... Learning. How many years have you... Well, you've been married three. three. You just had your anniversary last week. 2010. You've been together since 2010. Yeah. Being... Okay. You know. Yeah. But it was just really messy. Yeah, one then. day we'll tell that story. That'll be a podcast all on its own. Um, but today's podcast is with my love, our friend Courtney. Courtney. Welcome, Courtney. Hi, ladies. How are you? Peach Jean. We're so excited that you're Thank here. Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. I I'm miss glad you. I'd be missing hanging out I'm with you. you too. We all go to Summer Court- Recovery together. And Courtney and I text each other every day. That's so nice. It's good accountability. Just like good morning, good night, good morning, good night. Good it's morning. almost Friday. <laughs> Can't wait to see you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's cool. Um, I want in on this text. I'm just saying. Okay. I, I, it's kind of mean. You kind of leave me out. I'm sorry, Barb. It's yeah. all my fault. Yeah, you should. You should be sorry. I know I should. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll start. I have a list of people that I text every morning and every night, and I'll add you to it. Yeah, I would like to be added to that list. <laughs> Courtney and I have been um, in recovery together for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. Um, about six years. Two thousand. Well, I've been... I... 
I've been uh, going since the end of 2011, so I think right about... I started in, like, February 2012. Yeah, so about the same, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was really on and off that in 2011, so... Okay. February 2012, actually, if you go back on my memory... That's a different story for a different Yeah, that's game. a different <laughs> podcast. That's a whole different... That's, that's a podcast a, it might, all It might not even be a podcast. It might not even be PG-13. <laughs> or PG at all. It, <laughs> sounds like, it sounds like Raffaella just needs ter- needs her own series. Yeah. <laughs> Season one. To be continued. Raffaella. To be continued. 2001. The life of there are stories for days, let me just yes, say it. Yes, there are. Uh, there are. I think we all have stories for days. There's, uh, look to the good to the good side. There's so much to tell my grandkids. Right? It's like, yeah. you think grandma looks old? Let me tell you about that one time. Come over here, I'm going right, to tell grandma you to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I oh know it doesn't God. look like right now, but... <laughs> But back in There's the day... There's Facebook to prove it. Oh, I know. You know what's so funny? I always say I'm so glad I did everything I did before, before Facebook. Because I can't imagine having all my stuff on blast on just like being drunk, waking up MySpace. on the grass. MySpace. See, MySpace... But I don't have any of it because I don't remember my email or password. I don't, yeah, me so either. Like all of, as far as I'm concerned, anything that happened on MySpace never happened. Never, ne- never happened. Agreed. I'm totally with you. But MySpace was my jam, man. I had flashing hearts. I, I had music. Mine was full of stars. Yeah. I had, I would change it every week. I was the queen. I was a queen on MySpace for real. I had a lot of followers. I had, no, I did. And then. I believe you. And then my friend Tara, um, a different Tara from back in the day, from back um, church, like camp, she became a hippie. And she was on Facebook. I don't know why I'm telling the story. But she was on Facebook and MySpace. And we always talked on MySpace. And she was like, you got to come over to Facebook. This pastor we grew up with is like picking on gay people. And I was like, I'm in. And that that was it. You know, so then I had to go on Facebook. Or when you have the the MSN and you could shake people if they didn't answer. Oh, yes. The screen would shake the whole time. Yes, the instant messenger. Yes. Oh, so you would shake it. The, the whole thing would just shake. I was thinking about that the other day <laughs> because my one. kids were not texting me back. And I was like, oh, I pay the bill. Answer my text. For real. For real. Why can't I make their phone like make a sound? I should be able to send a sound through kind of and like says, your mom, right, your mom <laughs> is texting you. Text her back. I don't even call them because I know that's not not gonna, not yeah. gonna yeah. work, right? So I just text them, and they don't even text me. It's so rude. I pay the bill. I I'm never gonna turn it off, but I, they should not listen to that part. But I because <laughs> I threatened to turn it off all the time. But I'm just saying, Tommy is I'm, gonna edit it. This I know, right? That's I should really gonna, cut. Let me that. cut that out. Seven yeah. minutes and twenty one seconds. He's gonna hold right. that over here. I know, right? Ooh, you're never gonna. You can't. Anyway, today we're going to talk about Courtney's journey in recovery and I'm very excited because not only she's amazing and funny, I love her. When I first read, uh, read, heard her testimony, I was just like, 
I need to be friends with her. Like, I love her. I love how Rafaela thinks. If she hears someone talk, she at Summit, she's obsessed with Janine um, Eklund. Um, and she's like, I want to be friends with her. Like, I want to have her cell phone. Right. Just, so when she heard your testimony, party, that's how she became. That's right. Okay. So Just so you know. Hold and so behold. Cool. She didn't say that about we me. We text each other. <laughs> I already knew you, though. Probably because you met me when you were in jail. You didn't text me. <laughs> if I text you, that would have been a problem. Right, right. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, funny. All right, Courtney, let's jump into it. Courtney. Tell us what you're uh, in recovery for and um, how, how long have you been you in recovery. Well, I started out in codependency after indifference. I went over to anger because once you work through, once I've noticed, once people work through codependency, they have a lot of anger. And so I've mainly been in anger ever since. But just like everyone else, I have many other issues. I've also been sober for three years. That's so Um, great. I've been medicated for about four um, I can say that I have issues with um, abuse, um, emotional abuse, and um, I'm bipolar, so I could also go to the anxiety and depression group. Yeah. When were you diagnosed with bipolar? Um, I want to say Delilah was still a baby, so five years ago. Okay. Yeah. It's were you struggling before that? Like you noticed something was going on for um, years, or yeah. how long? Years, I always used to. I always used to tell people like, I know there's something wrong with me. I just oh. don't know what it is because I would have periods of depression, yeah. and then, um, and then I'd be really, really bouncy is the word I want to put it. Uh-huh. And it's mania, but I, but my mania wasn't as high. It was more like um, tons of energy. More like an ADHD type of thing, like bouncing off the walls and insomnia and then... um, Days, going days without sleeping. um, I would get three or four hours a night and that would be about it. And then I was working full time so I didn't get to take a nap where now I take (laughs) naps every day. So it doesn't matter. I I love naps. Because we were, you know, we talked to Bridget (laughs) and, um, and she struggles with bipolar disorder and, um... And I think it's so great that we could talk about it now. And I remember, like, growing up, like, no one ever wanted to talk about it. They called it manic depressive right. when I was growing up. Um, you're not quite as old. So, um, you guys are about the same age, right? In your 30s? Yeah. So, when I was growing up, like, it was, if you were manic depressive, it was like... The end of the world. The end of the world. There was no, nothing, no help for you except lithium and... You know, going in a hospital and and all that. And I think, you know, it led to a lot of people just not having the right treatment. And I feel like because when I was growing up, my friend was diagnosed with manic depressive and manic depression. And, and, you know, she disappeared and I've never been able to find her. And so that that was a big problem in my life. That's a big hole in my life. I'd love to tell that story one day on the podcast because that was really um a turning point in my life and um and so when I hear about it makes me so happy when people are getting treatment for bipolar even even in that time when you know you're not 
the medication is not right or therapy isn't working. It's like, oh, it makes me so happy just to know that there's help there for you. There is help. Um, I guess it's different for different people. My mom is, my mom's bipolar too, and the medication just doesn't work well for her. Mm. She still, she still really struggles. So, I mean, it, I, it just depends. I've been blessed that it only took about a year for me to find the right combination of meds, and I'm only on two meds, where some people are on four or five different meds, and it takes years. And that's why a lot of people with bipolar aren't medicated, because it takes so long to find something, and then once you find something, things are still not clicking. It's like there's still something missing, or there's something that was added, and it just doesn't feel right. I've been pretty lucky that I, I can I can handle the the highs and the lows that I have left because they don't go, um, my, my mania was, like I said, wasn't as high. Mine was more depression. So I'm not, I'm not as low as I was with suicidal thoughts and actions. So I can, if I, if I just get sad for a couple of days, I'll take that over. What do you used to, to be? Yeah. And it's so, and I think we talked about this here more than once, how, just because something worked for somebody doesn't necessarily yeah, work for work the next for person. Right. Just because both are bipolar doesn't mean one recipe fits all, right? right. Absolutely. So it's really important, I think, for anybody, you know, to check with their their doctors, doctors, and, and figure it out. Then don't lose hope, you know, because you have to have to. I know that I'm not supposed to use it in terms like that, but. Anybody that has um, any sort of mental illness, they have to keep trying until they find what works. I if they that want, is so important. Say if that they again. want to be, if they want to to find a normal, a, a better quality of life. Period. Yeah, just have to stick with it. I mean, I one of the medications that I was on at first made me sleep for like 14, 15 hours a day. Mm. I knew that that wasn't what I could do because I had two small children. So. My doctor and I, we talked it over and we tried a different medication to see if that worked. That one didn't work, so we tried a different medication. Right. And that's really the really the only thing that you can do till you, till you just get it right. And I just have to say that um, I know a lot of Christians have a problem with being medicated for mental illness. And I'm totally not for that because your brain is just another part of your body. Right. Why I would, say that all would, the time. would anybody tell you, oh, just pray hard enough. If you pray hard enough, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Well, what if you're praying hard enough and that's what God is prompting you to do? If someone has a heart issue, would you tell them, just pray through it and not be put on heart medication? Right. Would you know that Correct. it'll kill you if you don't? I've been saying this the whole time. If your knee hurts, if you have a problem in your knee, you go to the doctor, you get a medication. Your brain sometimes does not work or something's wrong. What do you do? You go and get a medication for it. It's just, it's the same thing and I just don't get it. Why is this such a big deal? There's stigma though. There's stigma with mental illness and... And it, it comes from, that I'm telling you. all in your head. It's, I'm telling you, when, when I was growing <laughs> up, that's how it was. Mm-hmm. If you had a mental illness, you were put to the side. You were less than. You were not able to be in polite society. You were broken. And you, you and you couldn't be fixed. fixed. And mm-hmm. if you had to have medication, you were still less than. Even if it made you 
better. Normal, quote unquote. Um, I'm telling you guys, that's how it was. That's how it was growing up. And even in my depression, years and years I sat in depression and I didn't want to take medication because I didn't want to be a person on medication. I didn't want to be a person taking um, antidepressant. Who wanted to be that person? I didn't want to be set aside. I didn't. I just wanted to pretend I was fine. And that's how I ended up at Seattle, right? That right. How well that works, right? You know, <laughs> right? that's. I, I said that for a, I said that for a long time too. They started me out on antidepressants in high school because I had suicidal thoughts and okay. my depression was really bad. But they had me on the wrong kind kind of medication because I was bipolar. So they're the antidepressant depressants that are just for depression don't work for bipolar disorder. Okay. And so they would make me manic. And bounce off the walls and yeah, <laughs> I can't say yeah. that. So like, no, you can say you whatever can you whatever. want. We, I'm, we'll not gonna, I'm, not, I'm not. You're gonna not gonna be Raffaella. Feeling, <laughs> feeling, feeling promiscuous. Very, 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 very. So um, I was telling my doctor about that. She goes, yeah, that, that's because it was the wrong medication for you. Uh-huh. It acts oh. different in your brain. Your brain exactly. reacts that's why. That's why every medication is different for every person. So yeah. I, um, I didn't have a problem taking the medication then. My problem came when my mom was going through everything. She was on um, Prozac for years, and then she did. Um, she tried electric shock therapy, oh, wow. and this is when they. This is when they just thought that she was just had severe depression. Um, yeah, she did electric shock therapy, which really, really altered her personality because they didn't do it correctly, I guess. Mm. Um, so she's, well, and it reacts to everyone differently. So right, and then she's been on. She's been so over medicated that she couldn't function at all, and she's been completely under medicated where nothing worked, and now she's trying to find a balance, and it's still not quite there yet, and it's yeah. been. At least twenty years that she's but been she's trying. But she's been trying. Uh, exactly, she has been trying. Yeah. But I didn't want to, for the life of me, go on medication because I didn't want. I I saw what that she experience. was going through, and I didn't want to have the same experience. Yeah. But just like we've talked about, every experience is different for every person, and God has been on my side about it, and I'm on. Uh, I'm on. Something where um, I still have my highs and lows a little bit. It's more like instead of mount climbing mountains and valleys, it's more just like a hilly ride. Okay. And I would rather have that where I can I can control my anger, and my children don't see me in that manic state. Completely scream and blow my lid and completely shut down and not be able to function. To the point where Jose would have to, I would call Jose and I'm like, you got to come home now. I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh And he would have to run home to take care of the kids because I'm about ready to flip out on a two-year-old. So. Okay. So let's talk about the time. um, Let's talk about your recovery. Let's talk about, um, I think one of the biggest miracles is obviously your mental health Mm -hmm. being put back in order Mm -hmm. and your, um, your recovering anger Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that where did you come from where what brought you to cr what brought you into recovery and then let's let's have a conversation about that um when i first got into recovery (laughs) it's kind of funny um i was introduced to it by someone that 
<clears throat> was going to recovery. When I met him, he was actually a customer of the bar that I worked at. Okay. And then, um, so I knew him before he got into recovery. And then when I would bartend, I'd be like, hey, I'm bartending. Come and stop by. And he would just come in and he would have water. But he's like, yeah, you should check out recovery. You, you really, you might need this. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> that's so uh, No. <laughs> and then eventually um, I found out Abby has Schwachman Diamond Syndrome, which is a bone marrow failure disorder. And then I got diagnosed with cancer and I was going through emotional abuse. And then my grandpa passed away and I was just, I felt like I hit the bottom and then was dragged across the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then fell off another precipice and was dragged across that too, continually. And I finally just got to the point, I'm like, okay, just freaking tell me about this already. Let's <laughs> just, I, I can't take it anymore. And then um, I got into codependency <laughs> because my problem was my husband <laughs> and his addictions and how his addictions would lead to the emotional abuse and how I was going through so much that I couldn't handle it. So... How was I going to navigate myself with what was going on with him? Okay. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I wasn't there. I didn't start going to change him. I knew that it was me that needed a change. Really? But it was how I... It was more about me verbally vomiting on everybody else so Mm. that I could find the answers that I needed for myself to get the courage and... The support to become more than more than the abuse, if that makes sense. Yes, that's that's where my that's what you wanted. That's that's where I what what I wanted. I knew that if I was going to stay in the relationship, because I had contemplated, I had contemplated leaving him completely. I had mm. actually gone back to Michigan for about a month, and I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to come back. And then when um, I decided that okay, yeah, I'll, I'm. Pray to God. God said, "Try, just make it work." This is where you're. This is where I want you. I came back and I said, "Okay, well, I'm gonna have to do something. Let's try celebrate recovery. Let's see what it is that I need to do to make this work." Were you guys already going to church? Did you know about celebrate recovery from church or just no, that guy? I, the guy on the bar. I learned celebrate right? recovery from him. Okay. And um, actually, Evie was in early intervention, and Amy was. Amy was their teacher. I forgot, yes. Wow. So it was kind of of like the two things. Like I was telling, I used to, when Amy came over, she was practically the only person that I ever communicated with. Amy's our pastor's wife. Amy's our ministry leader in Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Um, She would come over and she was like the only person that I had to talk to because I didn't have a car. She was there once a week with Evie. So she was the one that I talked to about a lot of my issues, and I was like, yeah, so my friend John was telling me about Celebrate Recovery, and she goes, and I'm like, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to try it out. She goes, really? I go there too. (laughs) And it was like, oh, that's two people that I know at CR. The first Me Too moment. Yeah. That is so funny how. It's crazy how God. God works. mm That's so awesome. And then I went to CR for... Were you Christian? Were you already a Christian? Had you already accepted Jesus? Oh, yeah. I accepted Jesus when I was like six. Okay. I didn't didn't go to church. My um, uncle 
the Baptist minister, and when I would go and sit, stay with him and my cousins and stuff for the and my aunt for the summer, um, my cousin had me told me about Jesus and God. Sure. And Good so Midwesterners. Yes, I accepted yeah. him way back, way back when, and then we started. Jose's like, we need something. We need something more. This is not, you know, this is really dysfunctional. This isn't working. And so we started going to different churches to find something. So we had started on and off going to Central for quite a while. Uh-huh. And then found out that CR was at Central. And then cool. it just kind of like all clicked together. Yeah. Did when you, came, when you came to CR, did you think you had any problems? Or you were just like, well, my husband is doing this and this. How can I do better to sort of help him then do better or you after you were at church you're like oh hmm no I knew I knew that I had issues that was one thing that I I think you're the only person that came in there with issues with their husband and thought I have problems too because I know so many people that, that never yeah, yeah they come mm-hmm. in I that's one thing that I a codependent normally comes in because of the other person then figures out that's why I'm Right. I, 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 that was always my hardest question is what are you in denial about? And I'm like, you know what? A part of being severely depressed is constantly being down on yourself. That is so true. And knowing, knowing what you're in denial about and knowing what you're doing wrong and being your harshest critic and honestly being cruelly honest with yourself about the things that you're not doing right. So when I went in there, I knew I had issues. I didn't know what all those issues were. I just thought the majority of them started with my husband uh-huh. and stemmed from there. I didn't and that, know. Well, that might be true. I didn't know that. Well, quite a, there were quite a few that, that right. did, but you know, a lot of them, I didn't know how far back they started. That's all. Sure. So coming into it, but that's cool. How has um, being in recovery changed your relationship? It's deepened, obviously. Mm-hmm. It definitely has deepened. Um, to be quite honest, it was getting into a small group. Once I finally got into a small group, that's where I really started feeling the connection with God. Because nice. I've always had a problem connecting with people. I'm, as everybody knows, I'm pretty much different from every single person at Celebrate Recovery. I stand out, like, I stick out like a sore thumb. So I've always had problems connecting with people and opening up and trusting people. And I think that was my biggest issue with recovery was that have to do, I had to do it with others. And the first few years, even though the first step study I went through, I found a lot of healing and a path through my anger. It wasn't until I found being accepted in a small group and people actually getting to know me and knowing that I'm not, I don't constantly have the resting bitch face and I'm not as intimidating as I look. Right. That I was finally, that I finally understood what recovery was all about and Jesus was all about and that I really started delving deeper into my relationship with God. Um, not to say that I didn't see what everybody was talking about is don't give up until your miracle happens because I had a lot of miracles happen in my first step study and in Celebrate Recovery. I, you know, listened Well, during to, that first year, you were diagnosed with cancer. You had 
all that Abby's diagnosis. You had all that stuff going on. Your marriage was in disarray. Your health, Abby's health. I mean, that is a lot to handle in one. And this was not a large time span. No, this was in this was in like a year ish. Yeah, roughly a year. And obviously, you're in remission. Yeah, your treatment worked. And it was just a double mastectomy and just, a free boob job. Oops. Yeah, you know, hey, I mean, really. I'm look at the positive. <laughs> you got I it. a boob job, I got it. <laughs> it's not exactly the way I wanted to go about it, but hey. Hey, you know. Uh, <laughs> it is I mean, what it is. I threw you off on that you one. Really did. <laughs> You're so funny. I really you don't know why she's talking about. She looks. I. You, she, know, you she don't sticks, look like this sort of... I never thinks, thought that. She sticks out like a horse. She's crazy. <laughs> literally. Well, we know literally. That, literally. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm medicated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always thought... Well, she... FYI, you can't see what she looks like, but she ha- she's like all these uh, peanut... Pinup. She's like a. She looks like a pinup girl. Girl with her hair does like this. But the new kind, like the tattoos and super cool, right? And I. I'm gonna tell you the first few times. So I spent a long time in the abuse group. I probably spent a good year in the abuse group, and then my sponsor said, "You have a real problem with anger. (laughs) You really need to go to the anger group. You've conquered your abuse. You've admitted it. You've worked through it. You've worked your steps. Great job." get to the anger group tomorrow and I was like okay and then I walked in there and oh that was it was even though I'm a very angry girl and I mean obviously I have issues with anger and I've worked through a lot of them but holy cow I was like I found my people like these are my these are my people these are I mean they know exactly what I'm talking about you know like we're just we're uh, this and it's okay and I'm okay and that I think was the biggest deal for me and when I first met Courtney I'm like this girl does not have anger issues but then she would speak and I was like oh okay she's just like me (laughs) Um, but she's so beautiful and she would come like in the full like fifties like dress and so cool. I mean, just so cool. You're so, so cool. cool. I so always cool. thought you were like the coolest. It is. Right? <laughs> so, you but know. it's funny how I know you guys talk about that because you know I think I've been in drugs. Well, we all know that for many years, but in the drugs group, and I adventure on on anxiety and depression because I struggle with that. But before we had anxiety and depression, I'm I'm like I should go anywhere else right and I'm like but I feel so comfortable with drugs mm-hmm. and everybody it's looks true. I was and like a lot of people I really do way. like I feel okay there you yeah. know so but it's hard whole, for me to yeah, like that's the hardest venture part out. of recovery is actually branching out into other areas yeah. and because that's what you go there for now you've worked on it and God's prompting your heart to go to another group and you're like but but I these yeah. are my people and this is where I need to be and then you don't want to do it because no, these are your people, and this is where I want you to be. And it's it's hard to it's hard to give give up your team. What do you think is like? Um, for me, I know my limits in anger, right? Like mm-hmm. where I get my chip and where I lose my chip. Which oh, that's a good. I question. have lost I my chip so many times in the past year. I 
it's like I don't I don't even want to take another like I should give all my blue chips back and recycle them. <laughs> um, but tell me, Courtney, like where does your anger start and what's your limits and and how do you define your recovery in anger? That is that is like a long a long answer. Um, give me the crib notes. The crib notes. <laughs> um, I started out with anger with um I was a screamer I still kind of scream every Mm -hmm. once in a while and then so after being a screamer once I kind of got that under control it was being a stuffer and then a screamer because once you stuff you blow your top and then that happens Mm -hmm. and then um I kind of teetered between the two I've never really been a well I mean I know how to fight I know how to get scrappy but I've never really been one to fight I'm usually the peacemaker, and I'm not one to really throw things unless it's my phone. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a phone thrower? More like a phone beater. Oh. Bam! Yeah, but these are expensive phones now. Don't do that. You have insurance. You have insurance? Yeah. Oh, good. But I I haven't actually smacked this one. I just drop it now, which that's why I have, like, a really good case. Yeah. And it's lasted like three We're years. We're so, so funny. Oh my gosh. Um, so I, I kind of teeter along those ones, and I'm not really one of those that um, has that that does the angry sex thing, which I know we've had in the past. We've had it, it's mainly between the two. So I've gotten to the point where um, at first I would constantly pray, like I can't do this, I can't do this. God, get me through it, get me through it, get me through it, get me through it, over and over and over again because. Jose would never let me walk away. He always wanted to keep going and work through it, get through it, and then we'd start arguing. So I would constantly just... Oh, so no cool down time. Right. He's a, I want to fix it right now. Right. Let's talk about this now. Right, and and work through it. I can't, I can't not... I can't not have peace. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I would constantly pray through it, pray through it, pray through it, and then God just told me just stop talking. So then I'd let him just do his thing, and then I would just clam up. And I notice a lot of people that are screamers and screamers do that. They'll stop screaming, and then they hold it all inside, and then they start crying. Because I, they can't uh, get maybe their... Maybe that's why I cry so much now. Because they can't get their frustrations out. <laughs> I just want an excuse to be a crier. I, I just... Yeah. I still have... A, I'm, I'm a very hard-headed, stubborn person, and I still have a hard time with the crying part. I guess uh, it's growing up in family. Courtney, I should, the, I should go. This is really good. I should go to anger. I think. I think you should. You'd really enjoy us. We're a good. <laughs> good. We're a good. No, group. no, seriously. No, it's actually a really it's good. I, I get years, so. Still they, don't know how to take me in anger. <laughs> I'm not a crier. I'm not a crier. Not either. Very. I don't cry very often compared to over here. But if I get really angry, I'll cry. And then people look at me and I get even more angry because, because they, they think I'm know. weak and I'm not no, weak. I just don't want to kill you. Right. Exactly. Type of, and then I cry because I, if I don't cry, I'll hurt you. And yeah. I don't want to hurt you. So, um, I actually, hold on. Uh-huh. I actually found my biggest success going, Jose and I went to marriage counseling. Oh, and great. Then we Tell learned, us about that. Then we learned how to... Um, communicate in marriage counseling so one person it's almost like having um, a debate between two lawyers 
One person would state why they're angry. The next person would say, okay, this is what I heard you say. Is there anything else? Yes, that's not what I said at all. This is what I meant to say. Okay, right. this is what I heard you say. Is there anything else? And then it's, okay, how can we resolve this issue? And then the next person goes, okay, I heard what you say, and this is what I have to say about that. And once we got the lines of communication open, it was so much easier to take a breather and to get to that point where we're not blowing up oh, at each I other. Love so counseling. you actually Finally, implement it at home? We have our own version. Okay. <laughs> we had a very hard time like doing the care talk is what it's called exactly the way that we That's were taught, written, but we yeah. have our own version of it where usually Jose says everything that's on his mind in like 20 minutes and then I listen <laughs> and then I that's see hard to read that's hard to you repeat know? back if he's talking that long that's hard he's right? an external processor so it's just it's just how he how he does it and I've come to I've come to the point where okay I'll just let him get it out and then I'll be like okay yeah I hear what you're saying and I agree with this and then, okay, I hear what you're saying, but can how about we try this? Or, I don't know. I don't like, how about we, nah, just do it this way. I'm saying we're doing it this way, and that's it. <laughs> and that's so, where I put know, my foot down. It's, yeah, so, you know, I love counseling. You know yeah. what Ryan and I do? do I, send it I to think I really need to go back to counseling. For real, it's, I do. I love counseling. I think, yeah, I think I, everybody should do it because it's just so cool. You learn yeah. all these things and how I to deal with things. I started when I was 12. Used to call, we used to go to family counseling. And I'd it call took me forever to go to family night. When I, I was only 18, went, I was court ordered, so. When I was growing up, counseling was like for those people, right? Right. So I never went. And when I was 18 and... um had I would go on my own and I wouldn't tell my family mm-hmm. and my brother does the same thing I, I hope my brother's not listening but my my brother goes and when he comes here we talk about what he talks about in therapy that's cool yeah it's really cool and you know what I think I'm gonna go back you know I I like I liked it while Jose and I were doing marital counseling I was also doing personal counseling at the same that time that is so cool that's why I mean we were on the brink of divorce when we started counseling and we did a, we got through the majority of our issues I mean everybody has issues that's why For we're sure. still in celebrate recovery um everybody's going to constantly have issues but we got through most of our issues in a year and a half which is actually amazing from what our counselor that's said great. we there was about seven years of abuse and she said for every year of abuse is usually a year to an extra year to build trust Mm. so it should have taken about seven years of counseling we did the majority of it in a year and a half because and now do you because and both were trying and willing to work on that right because i think think that's important when both parts are willing and doing whatever it takes to to make make it it better yes you know it works you can get through anything. I was just talking to somebody today. I was like, you can get through anything. Any, it would have happened. One thing I don't think I would ever get through anything to do with children or whatever. Right. But anything else like cheating or anything, there is a way, you know. But I want to I wanna ask you a question because I always yeah, ask Yeah, you're this. both willing. Right. Yeah. Anything is possible. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I want to ask a question because with me... I count my time. I stop doing drugs. It's easy. I stop it that day, and that day, <laughs> it's my my sobriety day, right? Mm-hmm. Well, how do you count your time with 
anger. When do you know you've relapsed on anger? That's what I want to know. Because you always, it, because every time codependency, I ask Bonnie the same thing. How, where, where do you come from? Like, what is your... What's your cutoff line? You know what I mean? Like, how do you count that? Wh when do you consider yourself relapsed? Um, on anger. Honestly, you just pick an area that you struggle with in anger, just like drugs and alcohol. I mean, if you're a meth addict, do you count when you stop with meth or right. liquor or beer or right. whatever? I mean, it's the same with anger. If you're a stuffer or a screamer or a thrower or um, abuse, like physically abusive, any of those things, you pick one and you work on that one until oh. you get... A, a handle on it mm -hmm. and then once you get a handle on it another one will it rear its head and then you start working on that one until you get a handle on it and then you just keep going that's I mean the main way that I would know how to do it um, to be quite honest I've tried to take chips for it but then I don't sometimes don't realize some things that I would call relapsing wouldn't have been relapsing and some things that I would consider relapse, I just didn't decide that. I'm like, no, I'm not giving up my chip for it. So I just, I realized um, my biggest thing was working through the majority of my issues. And I know, I just, I'm to the point where I know, just like we've said, I know my limit. And when I've reached my limit, I usually, um, okay, I can't talk about this right now. I can't think right now. Give me some space. When you get to that Minutes. point, what do you yeah. do? Who do you reach out to? How do you how do you work your steps for that? Reach out to Nora. I mean, your friends, your accountability partners, um, your sponsor. Friends and my sponsor. My sponsor is my friend, so it works out that way too. Um, sometimes I just kind of stew in it and pray to God, and then God will tell me, Stop being a thick head and just go apologize. Mm. <laughs> Those type of things. It just it just kind of kind of depends. If the stewing and the praying doesn't work, then that's when I reach out to friends, and then when or friends and accountability partners. And when I still don't feel the peace in my heart, that's when I reach out to my sponsor. And usually, I've already got the answer by the time I reach out to my sponsor because she's just like, "Yep." You know what you need to do. Right. I know. That's yeah. what it happened to me Yeah. yesterday or whatever day. Right. I used her. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I used her. <laughs> I went to take her food. So dirty. I went to take her food and I was like, well, since I've been cooking for you all day and I'm here, might as well use you and abuse you. And you tell me what I already know, but I need to hear. Isn't that funny? Right. When, when I go to my sponsor... She she rarely doesn't answer my call because I rarely call her. I mean, I'll text her, you know, right. once in a while. But, um, I mean, I see her all the time. So, it's you not see that her every day. I, I see her all the time. But um, I was really having a struggle a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And I called her and she was like, and she just listens. And I just vent for five straight minutes, right? Because I know that's about my time limit, right? timer's gonna ding um <laughs> but i i and then the next day it was funny we were at um a leaders gathering that we were at that barbecue uh -huh. and we were all sitting in the hot tub and she was sitting outside and she and i said when i call lisa she always answers because she goes yeah so i don't have to get bail money <laughs> <laughs> 
it's so so funny when I call her and she just she's like yeah and then I don't have to oh, get bail money it's like good sisters. <laughs> it's so you have the same we have the same sponsor yeah, yeah. it's so funny the last time we did my the last time we did my inventory she goes yeah, you even got, you even, uh, <laughs> you are where it's coming from and where, what you need to do. She, it's just that you just need to do it. It's like, what, what did I even bring my inventory to Why do I even talk to you? I'm kidding, Lisa. Lisa no, is but awesome. isn't that great how Lisa, if you're, you're listening to this, I love you and you, right. always, you always know how to help me. Yes. I love you. You're yes, best. she's the best sponsor. She's the bestest. So, um, tell me what is the craziest thing you have done when or that has happened recovery. to you or before recovery like a crazy like something that will be like whoa <laughs> oh lord have mercy oh that has happened maybe before you were treated for um i don't i self-medicated with alcohol mm. so some of the crazy things that i did most of the time i drank to blackout but it wasn't just blackout, it was pass out. And literally my friends, when I was younger, they would take turns checking my pulse to make sure that I was alive. Sure. Because I, I would drink too much. And then I'd wake up at like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning like, hey, what's up guys, let's, let's keep going. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, that was, uh, was kind of along the lines of some of my crazy um, another one. Well, let's go. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let's go to what you're most proud of now in recovery. Like where oh. you came from. Like where. What, what you, I was gonna from? say. Yeah. I was gonna say proud of before recovery. No, That's now. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was funny then is embarrassing now. Like, oh my. Why was I doing that? Like, God put the conviction on me. Right. God does put that conviction on your heart, right? It's um, funny because it's true, though. <laughs> it's very true. Because it's true. Um, there's a few. There's a couple. First off, um, when Evie was conceived, pretty much, I had prayed to God because Jose and I were doing cocaine. That was his big thing, and I started doing it with him to, you know, keep up with him type of thing. Sure. And it wasn't really my thing, and I was to the point where I was starting to crave it, and I didn't want to be there, so I prayed to God. I'm like, God, I need your help because I can't do this. I, I, I'm to the point where I can't do it. A few weeks later, I found out I was pregnant with Evie. So that was miracle number one. Uh, miracle number two... When she was a baby, do you guys know how, like, you'll sit your ba- your kid beside you and they'll dig their elbow into you to get up out of, like, the little hole that, sure. that's beside you in, like, the chair or the couch or something like that? They'll use their elbow to, or, like, when you're really pregnant, you use your elbow to kind of get uh-huh. up. Out of the, yeah, so Evie did that, and she would dig into the exact same spot every single time, and it aggravated the cancer. And that's how I found out I had cancer. Wow. I'm not blaming it on her, but if it wasn't oh, for no, her, of course I never would have known that it you was cancer. Because it, w- it ached for like five minutes after she would like dig in. Oh. And I'm like, that just that's weird. Not, yeah, that's weird. And it was the spot. And then I found out that it was 11 centimeters total because it went from there to wow. there. So, wow. so it was, that was miracle number two. And miracle number three with her was we were supposed to go to the um, October 1st festival. We were supposed to be there that night and didn't end up going. We got tickets and didn't end up going because she was sick. So 
Wow. Evie herself is just a miracle, and then everything that happens with her is just it's miraculous. Wow. Yeah. So there was that, and then in my actual recovery, I used to wake up angry and think of all the people that pissed me off going back years and all the different things that I wanted to say to them and how I wanted to rip them a new apple and to, to get me through getting ready and get me through the morning and then all the nasty things that I wanted to say to Jose because of all whatever it was that he messed up my little piece of carpet that I vacuumed type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then I would constantly, I was always snapping at people and, you know, I'm the victim, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. I have every right to be mad. I have every right to be mad. None of that's my fault that this happened or that that happened. It's, I'm a child of, I'm a, I'm a product of my circumstance type of thing. And then, Ooh, that sounds like my, and then, um, and then I would get through my day like that and then I would think it would take me forever to fall asleep because I was thinking nothing but angry thoughts about the day. Yeah. And then I would have angry dreams. Yeah. So my anger was like, it was an addiction. It's the yes. only way that I could get through it. And literally that's why people, I don't know how many people used to tell me, I'm, you were, you're intimidating. You're intimidating <laughs> to walk up to because I literally had the resting bitch face all the time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got into that small group and then, started opening up to some people because the only person that I would re- that really kind of knew me in all of CR was Amy mm-hmm. and um, I finally started opening up a little bit so people were like you're not as intimidating as I thought ah! you're just really angry so it wasn't until I-, I could I could see that I could trust people that I really started to let recovery work for me yeah and that I was good enough to be loved and I was good enough to be people's friend and that there wasn't necessarily something wrong with me I mean there was but my insecurities were lessened because I could see that there really wasn't a big reason to use my anger as a coping mechanism and use my anger as an addiction to fuel me and use my anger as a wall that I could let down my walls and I could start trusting people. And then once I, once I did that, my recovery just started skyrocketing. And now instead of the person that literally sits with my feet tucked up underneath of me in a hoodie and a beanie with my arms crossed, I'm the one cracking jokes and trying to make everybody in anger laugh because I'd rather have people laughing at each other instead of wanting to smack each other. Right. So I think that, I think that those are the, the biggest miracles is... I love that. My anger. Like, I don't I don't go around every day being mad. I'm, I'm the one that tells everybody, dude, chill. Calm down. It's okay. It's not that bad. It's not that big of a deal. Let's work <laughs> through this. That's so, awesome. my attitude is completely changed. And being medicated has helped a lot with that. Sure. Because now that my, now that my um, spark plugs are working right, mm-hmm. I can actually... I'm not going overboard on something that really isn't important and getting mad about something that really has no bearing all the way to like, okay, that's not a big deal. Yeah. I don't need to make it a big deal. Yeah, that's I love awesome. that. awesome. So. 
Well, that was so great. Thank you so much for, for coming and joining us. This I love you so much. the best conversation. I could, we could sit here for like three hours, for real. I, I, I know. I need to say it that before we started, we could not even start it because we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> We're laughing so hard. We had to like start and stop, start it and stop because we could not even, you know. Yeah. And um, it was great. Yeah. Great end of the week. I want to play our game though. Okay. So if you could pick out of the bowl... Um, a purple, a pink, and a green. That would be awesome. Shake it up. Green. It's not really a game. It's just questions. Okay. But I call it a game. And we'll read them to you. I'd have given them to you, but then I would have had to, like, really bend over. And I didn't want to. Okay. You could, too. I love you. All right. Hot pink. Would you rather have clouds for feet or suns for hands? Wow, that's just, that's a very random question. I know. These are random questions. <laughs> this is kind of like the monkey quote. The monkey quote. Um, I wish I was a monkey so I could throw poop at people. <laughs> I would definitely like to have if sun I for hands so I can just you smack people. Just, <laughs> just like I don't want to deal with you. Burned into a crisp. Right. Done. Who needs anger in group when you have sunbeams for hands? Okay. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm with you. What would you do with your 15 minutes of fame? What would I do with 15 minutes of fame? Well, you know, there's like 12 people listening to this, so you've had like an hour of fame. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, that's, a, that's a really hard one because as much as I'm... Um, I like to dress the way that I do. I really don't like to be the center of attention type of thing. So mm -hmm. I never put myself in a position of like, oh, what would I do if I was famous? What would I do no, with my fame type of thing? Yeah. But what I guess I consider 15 minutes of fame would be giving my testimony. Because I, if there is any way that I can lessen somebody else's pain. Yes. By yeah. giving my story. Yes. Then that would be... That would be worth everything if I could be like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna try that because it 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 helped her. She's oh my gosh, a hope dealer. I can see that's what, what she God, is. Yeah. Now I can see where God had, can can really move in my life. If that's what my 15 minutes of fame would do, that's what I would have to do. All right, that. that's awesome. Um, last one. Um, would you rather um, have to groom a bear or ride a rhino? Oh, I would ride uh, a rhino. Duh, ride a rhino. I would ride a Right! Exactly! Like, riding a unicorn! Why would you groom that it? That'll impale me if I try. For, I mean, a bear. I'm scared of bears. That is that's so the cool. only reason to ever run, is unless a bear's chasing you. Right? I mean, that's for real. Ride a rhino. They're just like a unicorn, they have a horn. I'm down. Sounds like somebody was thinking of that Ride a Cowboy song when they wrote that. Oh, my goodness. You know who wrote it. <laughs> you would think it was me, I right? Uh-uh, it was not me. Straight <laughs> <laughs> off Pinterest, okay? <laughs> Pinterest, mom. Well, still, somebody was thinking about riding a cowboy. Listen, let's just, moving on, moving on. I was going to say something. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome Thank anytime. you for being here. I would love to have you back again. This was the best conversation. So fun. So fun. Anytime, guys. Um, I love you. You guys, make sure that you um, have subscribed to us on iTunes. 
and give us five star review, please. Um, make sure you do that. Follow that helps us, us so much on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Recovery Two Hundred One Podcast, and um, we still want to hear from you. We have a couple of stories already. We want to hear your story, and um, so email us at Recovery Two Hundred One Podcast at Gmail dot com. Yeah, and um, just remember, focus on the similarities, not the differences. If life gets lifey, stay prayed up. up. Speak love, spread hope. I'm Rafaela. And I'm Barb. See you next time. Bye. Oh, I like that.